Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, I'm Craig and welcome to another episode Football Kit Memories, a football podcast that gets under the shirt. Today I meet the Chief Photographer at Arsenal, Stuart McFarlane. During a chat, Stuart talks to me about his 20 plus year association with the club, how his role and the demands as club photographer have changed, and he shares some great stories about Arsene Wenger, Dennis Bergkamp, and who else but Nicholas Bender. Later, I asked Stuart to pick out three of his favourite football shirts and tell me a little bit about what they mean to him. An Arsenal man through and through, we talked about the bruised banana, golden night at Old Trafford and an invincible season in red. You can listen to this and other episodes of Football Kit Memories on all major audio platforms including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Please do like, follow and share, but above all, please do enjoy the podcast. Okay, so today on the podcast, I'm delighted to say I'm joined by the Chief Photographer at Arsenal. It's Stuart McFarlane. How are you doing, Stuart? I'm good, Craig. How are you? Thanks thanks for asking me on. Mate, thank you so much for doing it. Now, we have almost the same surname, but I can confirm we are no relation, right? No. <laughs> Not that I know of. My, no. grandfather, my grandfather wandered around a little bit back in the day, so you never know. Yeah, we're probably best off not knowing, right? So, um, so Stuart, you've worked at Arsenal uh, since 2001, um, but you did a lot with Arsenal in the 90s when you worked for Colour Sport as well. So you've, you've really been close to the club for a really long time, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Colour Sport got the contract for Arsenal the year after Anfield 89. So I started covering games for the club in sort of September 89, but I've done, a, I've obviously covered a few games in the previous couple of seasons, but right. yeah, it, it sort of started from there really. Right. Colour Sport is a, because um, I grew up an Arsenal fan, so Colour Sport is a really nostalgic name for me, because I remember seeing on like, you used to get Junior Gunners magazines and things, and you'd see Colour Sport on all the pictures at the bottom as like a watermark, so it's just really cool to like hear that name again. I hadn't thought about it in ages. Yeah, so we were based in, it came about because I think that that season Arsenal played France in a friendly. I don't oh. know if I'm sure people remember it at Highbury. And uh, the programme editor was looking for some French uh, player pictures. Right. So they came to Colour Sport. 
<clears throat> we provided them. And the following season, when they were looking for a photo photographic agency to look, you know, to look after their games, it was sort of natural to come to us. So it, it sort of started from there. The French connection with Arsenal started that early. Wow. <laughs> so did you grow up an Arsenal fan? Yeah, I was. I Well, my dad's Chelsea fan. Uh, and he took me there a few times in the late 70s, which was uh, really, you can imagine what Chelsea and football was like at that time. But my yeah. my best friend who lived up the road from me was an Arsenal fan. So he used to run around in his Arsenal kit and I used to sort of, you know, he was the best footballer in the street. He was the best looking kid in the street. And, <laughs> you know, and I just used to follow him around and, you know, sit in his bedroom, listen to the old LPs of cup finals and stuff. So, you know, it was always Arsenal for me, even though my dad tried to take me to uh, took me to Chelsea a few times. But that was really in, in the sort of bad old days when all the football violence was going on. So I, I didn't. It wasn't a great experience for me anyway. Right, right. And so did you kind of fall into this or is this something that you always planned? Always planned to work for Arsenal, be involved in sports photography? No, I, I went to I did fine art at art school after after I went to school. So I wanted to be a painter and wow. then realised there, no, realised there was no work in painting. So I went back and did graphic design and then realised that graphic design oh, got so bored with it and then went back and did photography. I did photography at school. Right. And I just wanted to do sort of reportage, uh, you know, people. So I'd go out and just wander around London and take portraits of people in the street and stuff like that, just re recording stuff. And then when I was at college, my lecturer just found an ad for a photo agency as a black and white printer to work in the darkroom and as a junior photographer. And I, I just applied for it thinking it wouldn't get anything. And it, it was colour sport and it was a sports agency. Right. And when I got in there, I thought, great, you know, it's close to Arsenal. So I can pop to Arsenal for home games after after work. And then after a couple of weeks, they gave me a camera and they said, fancy popping up to Arsenal to take some pictures. I thought, my God, it's going to save me £2.50 to get in. So <laughs> I'll, sit, I'll sit I'll sit pitch side and take it. I, but I never, never thought that I would, even after I'd worked there for about five years and I was going out all the time, I never considered myself as a being a photographer. Right. You know, it was just, uh, I'm sort of blagging it a little bit here. But uh, I've been doing it for 30 years now. So I think, I think maybe, maybe <laughs> I am a photographer now. So it's kind of like a happy accident then, I guess. Yeah, it's it's a bit, it is luck. And I think I, young people always ask me about how to get in the industry. And I always say, look, it's a lot about luck. It's more, it's more about luck and then about skill. So, it, it, you know, if you know the right person or the opportunity arises at the right time, you know, you, you sort of do make your own luck in a way, but I was very lucky to get in where I got. Yeah. And then the whole Arsenal connection as well. I'd, I'd never dreamed to be where I am now, really. I didn't think that was ever going to happen. Yeah. I mean, like when you spend that amount of time with the club as well, like you become synonymous with it. Your, your remit, it covers everything from kind of like training all the way through to match photography, commercial stuff as well. I'm guessing over that time period, your job must have changed so much. Yeah, initially when I started, we have a we had a commercial department of two two guys and one uh, secretary, and that was it. So we did. I used to do a catalogue shoot with the players, as you can imagine, yeah. trying to get the players. Oh, Tony Adams, can you please wear this uh, lumberjack jacket, please? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and it was basically that, and then a few product bit of product photography. And then the team stuff, 
but but now there's two of us now myself and david price david has been with me he was with me at color sport and now he's been here for 18 years now so you know the we, you know we do everything from the under nines at the academy women's team the men's team plus all our community stuff uh you know, we documented the whole building of Emirates from the moment the first sort of shovel was put in the grounds right, right. until the <clears throat> topping out and the opening of the stadium. <clears throat> so it's it's sort of varied. It's not, I wouldn't consider myself a football photographer. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a club photographer. So we cover absolutely everything that goes on at the club. You know, during lockdown, we've been doing stuff in hospitals, food drops, photograph, documenting all that. Right. So, you know, there's a big, there's a big sort of, cross-section of stuff we do and for my, for my sort of sanity because you do not just football you 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 get to meet so many different people across all aspects of the football club and society you know within our community you know it's, it's really rewarding yeah I can't believe there's only two of you in the team that do all the photos yeah it's I've got to be honest there are days that we could do with another three people Right, and there are and there are days that you know during close season we've got probably a quiet three weeks where you know we're just sort of tidying stuff up and it's very quiet. But generally, it's people don't think that we're busy, but we've got there is quite a lot to cover, and yeah. the editing obviously takes quite quite a while to to go. You know, it's, it's you know it's a it's a you shoot a game, you do a sort of big edit that night, and then you do a second edit the next day. So a game is two days of work really. Right, right. And is there an aspect of it, you know, you talked about all those different areas that you photograph for the club. Is there an aspect of it that you prefer over others? Uh, I mean, really, the bread and butter is the match stuff. I mean, that's the most challenging because you can never, you know, you can do a set of portraits or you can do some feature stuff with a player and you can plan all your lighting and stuff like that. And that's all under your control. But when you're dealing with footballers during matches, there's nothing that you can do you have to react to what's going on. So that's the most challenging. But then I love doing the stuff. Our community stuff is great. When we take players to, obviously we did before COVID, when we take players to schools, or we take them to hospitals, that's probably the most rewarding because you see the reaction mm. of, yeah, of, of the general public when they, you know, and kids at school when they see players and stuff like that. That's really rewarding. Right. I mean, it's all about the club being in the community as well, isn't it? And it's easy to forget that with the Premier League and the way it is. I guess there's so much that goes on behind the scenes. It's amazing that the club documents yeah. all that stuff. Well, we're, we've always been a community club and I've got I've got friends who I've got to know who live in local estates and, you know, some kids who've come from really troubled background. And the one constant for them is knowing that Arsenal are there, you know, the yeah. team are down the road. We've got a brilliant hub community hub where they come and they can play football and a lot of after school stuff for kids and we we do a lot we do a lot of uh soccer schools and educational stuff for local kids who, who maybe don't have the advantages of of other kids so that's great and you know we're our community departments been going for about 35 36 years and it you know it's, right. it's probably bigger and stronger than it's ever been now that's great so do you know if, you know, the way you guys work, the kind of things that you do cover and, your, you know, your team structure and stuff, is that the same across the Premier League and across other teams in Europe, do you know, or do Arsenal do it different? I think, what, the way that we work? Yeah. Uh, I think every club photographer is unique to the to 
to to each other's club. I've got a lot of friends who are staff guys at other clubs, and they might not cover the sort of same stuff as us. You know, I I came in whatever 2001 and my remit was to build a historical library of arsenal images right and and at the time i was asked to do that and for me that meant recording everything across the board at other clubs it may no guys at other clubs won't name them but their only remit is to cover first team and first team training and first team matches okay so you know i I think I'm here. I want someone to look back in 50, 100 years and look at everything that we've shot yeah. and say, look, this is what they did. You know, this is what they did, you know, in 2000 and, you know, from 2001 to 2000 and, you know, you know, when, whenever I leave. Yeah. So I don't think everyone does quite the same, but some, some may do more, some may do less. Do you, do you go back into the kind of archives of Arsenal from before you were working there? Do you ever do any work with that kind of stuff? Into the history? Well, we, we, we've got a, we've got a, before we left Highbury, what we did, uh, there was lots of old prints and photo albums sort of hidden away in the lofts of the old East Stand at Highbury. Right. So we went and we copied everything. Uh, we scanned everything. We've got it all as an archive. Yeah. Uh, but we've also got a, we've got an agreement with Getty Images who've got a couple of really good Arsenal archives, which, which we're allowed to tap into. But there, it's funny that there's not much around, but when when you dig into it, there are some great pictures that are that are unseen. So I love looking at the old stuff. The old stuff's better than the current stuff. Yeah, uh, I know. I know Getty have got a lot of unscanned Arsenal stuff in their in their offices, which I'd love to get my hands on. But it's just it's just finding the time to do it. Yeah, of course, it's time consuming. But you know, like you say, in fifty years' time, people will look back on the photos that you're taking and feel the same way. I'm sure it would be like looking into a different world. And the fact that you're documenting so much of it will be so good for that. I think. Yeah, it's just I just like to. I'm proud. We've got over a million pictures in our library now. Wow. And I'd like to think that I'd sort of people would look back and say, "Oh, that's a great picture. Who took that? Oh, it's that guy Stuart McFarlane." You know, I'll be long gone by then. But yeah, it, you know, it's silly stuff. Like I look back at the stuff in the fifties, and you've got players in the bath having a smoking a cigarette and drinking yeah. a beer after the game. Or you know, I, I looked at, back at some stuff the other day from two thousand when the players arrive at Highbury, and everyone's there with a little uh, compact camera taking pictures of players wow. as they're getting off. The, and you look at it and you think, "My God, it's it's so." Even now, you look back and think, everyone's got camera phones now. What would it be like in 20 years' time? What would they have? So yeah. it's quite nostalgic to look back. It even, even it makes me feel like I've been here for so long. But even <laughs> when you look back now from when I first started, you know, the fashion has changed, how people communicate has changed. You know, it's, yeah. it's, uh, it's quite funny to look back to see, because you don't think things have changed, do you, in 20 years? But they've massively changed the way that people dress and... Yeah. You know, and how they, you know, social media and cameras and stuff and camera phones. It's, it's staggering, yeah. really. The tech is crazy. I think, yeah, you're right. The, the kind of photographs that people will be able to take on their phones in 20 years time will be frightening, I guess. But I'll be out of work, probably. <laughs> well, I was about to say like this, you know, everybody's an amateur photographer, but there's so much skill involved in actually being able to capture the right image at the right time. I'm sure there'll always be a specialty for it, you know. I hope so. So. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to ask you a bit about kind of traveling with the team um, obviously like European games, especially, but even traveling around the country to away games and stuff. Yeah. Well, you know, at the moment we don't travel so much with the team for domestic, but we travel on European and tours. Uh, it, it's very different to traveling as a, 
going through Gatwick on a package holiday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we get looked after. It's good, you know. It's good. It's a. It's yes. It's a good way to travel. You know, we uh, we generally for European trips we will train in the morning. We'll travel all to the airport separately, and then all on the team flight. So we try and sort of capture the players getting on the plane and photograph them on the plane and same at the other end. But, yeah, you know, it's from, it's just a sort of stand. It's just a bit of a norm now. When I used to travel with the team back in the day, you know, I'd get on the bus, I'd sit, I'd sit on the steps outside the toilet and because the, there'd be no spare seats and I'd have my laptop. Oh, wow. Coach, coach would be going around corners and there'll be food flying off the table. <laughs> No, and I have to, have to move every 10 seconds because someone wanted to get in the toilet for a pee. You know, I'm desperately trying to edit my stuff before we get to the airport and then you've got to pack everything up, get it all on the plane. I'll be the last person on the plane because no one had any bags apart from me. I had all my cameras and walked past the players, they're all tutting at me because I'm, hold, I'm holding them up, you know. So, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a good way to travel. But then some, sometimes now when the team fly back from, a say, Manchester, I, I can... You know, if I didn't have any work to do, I could probably beat them back because there's so much of it is waiting at an airport, going through customs, you know, whatever, getting on a plane. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not a great, I've got to admit, I'm not a great flyer. Right. So, uh, I'm happier on the motorway than I am in the air. Like Dennis Bergkamp. Yeah, me and Dennis, we, you know, funny enough, Dennis, when we used to, when we used to have training camp in Austria, Dennis would drive out there. And uh, well, his family would drive him out there. We used to go to a place called Bad Waterstorf in Austria. Yeah. So, and we'd go by coach to most games. And there, there was a game that the team flew. It was like an hour and a half. And and uh, I went on the bus with Dennis, uh, Vic Akers, who was our old kit man and women's manager. Yeah. And then Amanda Doherty, who was my old boss. So we had a seven hour little jolly on the, <laughs> on the motorway, which is quite, which is like one of my favourite, sort of moments of my Arsenal time just sitting me- messing about with, with with them on the on the coach it was it was really a like a lovely day nice nice um I wanted to ask you as well about the, the stadium move in 2006 obviously building a new stadium I wondered if any of the features that were built into the stadium were built with you and photography in mind specifically well I was quite lucky because we had a sort of media committee uh with the architects so I was advised on stuff from working positions, photographer's room, flood lighting. Uh, they, they were really keen on it being the best stadium at, of its time. So yeah, I was, yeah, I was heavily involved with that. Uh, the only thing I didn't get was a free bar in the photographer's room. <laughs> but they get they get well treated, and I, I think if you speak to a lot of photographers who come to Emirates, they will say it's the best stadium to work at. There's lots of space. Right. A Wi-Fi is great. Floodlights are fantastic. The backgrounds are brilliant for photographers when there's fans in. Yeah. So yeah, I was I was really lucky to be involved in that and, and proud of what you know we can welcome people come in and you know when and when they go a lot a lot of guys email me afterwards and say thanks and what a great experience it was. Right. That's great. So you wrote a book with Amy Lawrence as well, um chronicling Arsene Wenger's time at the club. So he was there for 22 years and he's kind of, I guess he spanned a lot of your career as well. What was it like for you? I'm sure you must've built up a relationship with him. What, what was it like for you seeing him leave the club and seeing things change? It was, do you know, for me, it was, it was sort of heartbreaking in a way, even though I'm sure that, 
everyone sort of agreed it was the right time, but he was, he was so incredible to work with. He trusted me so much. I had sort of free run of the training ground. He never questioned what I was doing. Yeah. He, he trusted me not to put any pictures out that would cause any offence or upset to any of the staff and any of the players. You know, I didn't, I didn't have to, he didn't have to come and, you know, if ever, if ever there was something a bit contentious on the training ground, he would never come and speak to me about it. You know, I, I knew when he was playing his starting 11, so I would never, you know, I would adapt what I sent out so I couldn't give the starting right. 11 out. Okay. So there was a lot of, there was a lot of trust there. And, but, you know, we, we generally would talk strangely like once in pre-season, we'd have a chat, a maybe five, 10 minute chat for pre-season. And then the rest of it would be, hello, Stuart, how are you? Hi, boss, how are you? And that would be it. And right. until the last, until he announced that he was, until Amy and I did the book and then until Arsene announced that he was leaving. And then I spent a lot of time in his company. Right. And we had, we had some really good conversations about, you know, our families and our children and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, he was generally interested in his staff and their families and their well-being. You know, it's, he's, he's, a, he's a unique man. And uh, I mean, I'm so lucky to have worked with him or worked for him. Just, uh, just a great, just a great man. Yeah. So, let's do. I've got one more question about your career before we start talking about your football shirts. Um, what I wanted to ask you is, obviously, being there for so long, you build up relationships with players. You're taking photos of them every day. Who's been the most difficult person to take photos of? Who's messed you around, or who likes to, you know, play pranks, that kind of stuff? Do you know there to be? Oh, oh, Nicholas Bentner, maybe. Nick. Yeah, we did the <laughs> we did the squad picture one season on the picture. Emirates and then I shot the and it's 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 big pressure it's big pressure to get because you've got 30 odd people yeah you've got to get you've got to get one frame where they've all got their eyes open they're all looking oh, of course. at you and they're all happy with it as well yeah and then after I did it I thought right this is done and then Bentner came up to me and he said uh did you get my did you get my picture of Pinocchio and I said what are you talking about he said I had a little Pinocchio I went to McDonald had a McDonald's breakfast this morning <laughs> like kids breakfast and he's got a little plastic Pinocchio and I said no no you, you didn't have it and he said yeah I did I did I had it on Andrea Sharvin's shoulder I said no you didn't said, <laughs> and that and we were shooting film we shoot we used to shoot the squad photo on film so I was in the stadium I had to go back after the day because we had other stuff to do afterwards and walk back to my office process it and lo and behold there there it was on Virtually every frame was this little Pinocchio on Andrea Sharvin's shoulder with us. And but luckily enough, I've, I've managed. There was a couple of frames without, but then I had to sort of Photoshop a few heads <laughs> to make it to actually get a decent one. So he was quite. Yeah, I haven't quite forgiven him for that, but they're, 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 you know what? They're okay. I think when you work with them on a daily basis, they're not difficult. They might keep you waiting for a little bit, and they might not have as much time. You know, if they go on a kit shoot, they might, you know, with one of their sponsors, they might do two hours, but I might take, they like, they like it with me because it takes 10 minutes because I make right. sure that, I know, I know what they're like. I know what footballers are like. They're not going to give you two hours of their time. Right. So I try to get stuff set up, sorted, all the lighting set up, everything done properly. But, you know, I've, I've done player features for magazines in five minutes. Right. And they'll go, come on, come on, come on. I haven't got much time. 
but uh, generally they're you know they're, they're pretty they're pretty easy to deal with and especially because yeah. I, I talk to them the way I talk to my kids <laughs> you know, some of them sometimes you've got to just be blunt and then tell them off if they're not doing the right thing I'm old, I'm old enough now to get away with it, I think. <laughs> Authority figure at the club. I think so. <laughs> if you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Um, so look, let's, let's talk about some football shirts, Stuart. So um, the first question I ask everybody on the podcast is, um, what, if anything, do football shirts mean to you? There are a few different things. You see, I, for me, it's the, it's the identity of the club. Uh, I've got two sons. One is 20, one's 21 and one's two. And the 21-year-old's had every Arsenal shirt since he was a baby. Yeah. And I just, I think that 
I bought them all because I just love love looking at them in them. I've got a two-year-old who's got the same now. So right. they, they just make me smile. Every time I see a shirt that I like, it makes me smile. And, and it reminds me about certain players and about certain games. But I think I think they're so important. And I think that kids, I only think that kids and maybe footballers should wear them. I'm not really sure if <laughs> people my age should be wearing them. But, but I think they just mean so much. But it's funny that certain games you wouldn't even wear them, you know, Tottenham yeah. away fans don't wear, don't even wear them. And then the moment they get out and walk down seven sisters, they take their jacket off and they've got the shirt underneath. <laughs> <laughs> it's an identity, isn't it? It makes you feel like you're part of the team. Yeah. So your first choice is a very popular one. It's the Arsenal. It's the Bruce Banana 91 to 93 away shirt by Adidas. How comes you've chosen this one? Yeah, it's a, uh, when that first came out, it was strange because there was sort of uproar amongst the Arsenal fans, and, and, it, and it was mocked by so many people. Yeah. I, I can't, I can't say that when I first saw it, I thought, "Oh my god, that's disgusting." And then, <laughs> and then uh, it was actually that that game made me really like it because that's uh, obviously we're on twenty year anniversary of passing of David Rowcastle. That yeah. that was a very famous game where uh, Wrighty scored. Ian Wright scored three goals and Rocky scored the fourth. Right. And Wright talks about it being as his favourite favourite ever game that he, you know, that he played in. And I and I remember the game really well. It was just a, it wasn't, it was just a standard league game. You know, I got the train down there with a friend of mine, sat in the awkward positions to work at at Southampton, and it was a beautiful day. And that kit just looked amazing under those, you know, in the sunshine there. Yeah, and in those yellow in those yellow shorts as well, and and we won, and it and it's sort of probably become more important to me that kit over the years after Rocky died, right? And then since uh, Wrighty's talked about that 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 game as well, and then that kit, so yeah. it, it's a really special picture. And you know, I went down on the day, took the took, you know had a set of pictures, thought they're quite nice and. I didn't really think about it for a few years. And then you go back and look at it and you think that's a really important game in, you know, moment in our time. Yeah. And, and, and then you, you can't help, but, you know, not love that shirt. And we obviously Adidas brought a version of it back this season, yeah. which was incredibly, incredibly popular, but it was never going to be as good as the one from, you know, from that time. Yeah. I really like, I mean, we're just coming off recently all the stuff with um, David Rokar. So I think the club and you guys did a really, really good job with kind of commemorating that anniversary. It's very sad, obviously, but it's amazing that he's still remembered at the club so fondly. Well, he, he even now, at the time, back in the day when he was playing, it was the first chant that the North Bank would sing on a match day when he was playing. You know, it's really, it's, and it's easy to talk about people after they've passed to say what an incredible person they were, but... When, when you look at the love that, you know, that Rocky had and we had to do something special this year. Yeah. And yeah, it was, and it was brilliant to be involved with that. I knew him well, but not as well as others. Right. Uh, but to be able to do something, you know, for the fans and to show some of the younger fans who he was and, you know, and what he represented was, was really special for us, for all of us at the club. Yeah. Where does that kind of, like art direction come from? Does that come from you or does that come from somebody in the marketing team at the club or elsewhere? It comes from, generally, we've got staff who knew who knew Rocky really well. Uh, we've got a great video team as well. So there's a few ideas. Sort of, you know, there's a, 
you know, there's a few meetings with a lot of us involved about what we can do. So it's a collective really of about 10 or 15 people. Right. And then I think they, everything was run by Rocky's family, by Janet, his, to Janet, his wife and, and uh, his three kids. And, and, and it all had to sort of be approved. And Ian Wright was heavily involved because at the outset, he, you know, he was really wanted to make a big thing of it. Mm. Uh, so it's a collective across the club and not just staff who've been here for a while, even some staff who've only been here for six to eight months. We're really invested in it. And uh, yeah, I thought, you know, Saturday would have been a great day if we'd have won, but it was a great day because of everything that we could have done for Rocky and his family. Yeah. It's amazing. Well, it's, it's a very popular shirt and obviously um, really popular figure at the club. Um, we're going to move on to your second choice. So this is another away shirt. This is the gold away shirt from 0102 by Nike. Uh, this is the double winning shirt. Yeah, and I don't. We didn't ever lose a game in it either. Right. So we wore, we wore it over two seasons. We had 02 on the first season, I think, and Sega on this. Or oh, it's the other, other way, way around. around I think. Yeah. Other way around. Yeah. So we ne we never lost a. I don't think we ever lost a game in it. Right. And it was such a lovely, the feel of it, it didn't feel like a, a football shirt. It, had, it felt like a sort of like soft sort of corduroy finish to it. Yeah, yeah. It, it, and, and it was just uh, so many great memories from, those, from that season in that shirt. And obviously winning the league at Old Trafford, that, and that's what that, what that game was from. And so many great little stories and memories from that night yeah and every time i look at that shirt i just think about that night and what a unbelievable i traveled traveled up and back with the team you know we after we won we were in the dressing room and then freddie lundberg said to me uh see if see if the fans are still on the, in the stadium and they sent me out run i ran past the stewards one of them threw a kick at me as i ran down the tunnel really? one of them stewards. you know really who you were yeah. and I ran out onto the pitch I saw the fans are still being kept in so I ran back in the dressing room and I said they're still out there and then that was just a great moment I ran down the middle of the pitch at Old Trafford with the Arsenal team you know running backwards trying to take pictures of them yeah but that that shirt I'll always look at that and think I always think that that was we won the league at Old Trafford in that shirt yeah well, I think that team as well is frightening wasn't it because you've still got that like a lot of elements like that old school back four at Arsenal that you had throughout yeah. the nineties, but then you've got these amazing kind of, you know, like Fieras and Henri and things like that. Just like the change that Finger was bringing in, it's frightening team, wasn't it? It and it was it had it had absolutely everything, and it had some, it had some unbelievable characters in there, different types of characters, people like Ray Parler to Robert Perez. You couldn't get two more sort of different people, you know, personalities, <laughs> but it all seemed to click and it was one of those one of those moments in time where you think this might never happen again so I just tried to enjoy it as much as I did but just you know just seeing them line up in the tunnel or walk out onto the pitch it was like wow you know we we mean business and and this shirt and and certainly at away games when you go and you're supposed to be intimidate intimidated by the home fans this this lot weren't you know they walked out in those in that shirt they weren't intimidated at all they would go and bully and run all over teams and it, and it was you know go, it, like the invincible season you know you went to games and you think you're not going to win this we're not going to lose this you know this is this is our you know this is our time yeah are you th there must be so much pressure on you like everything you talked about about looking forward in 50 years time 
you're there capturing history as it happens. There must be a lot of pressure there to get the right shot and make sure you don't miss anything. Uh, I don't. I think the only pressure I put, the only pressure I've got is pressure I put on myself, really. Right. And I'm lucky that David. David's a fantastic photographer, so we, you know, we tend to cover each other. We we don't we don't miss too much, uh, but we've missed a couple. Of, we've missed a couple of things, but really? we don't generally. Well, the, the, after Thierry scored the last goal at Highbury, he kissed the pitch, right, uh, and a steward stood right in front of me. Soon as I got, I got, I got, I got Thierry in my focus, and then this guy stood up and blocked me. <laughs> lost my call, lost my call very slightly, and then he apologised, <laughs> and I thought can't really ask him to do that again no. so there, there are a few regrets but you know really you have to try and put them out of your mind and sort of bounce back a little bit but generally you know we've got goals from cup finals trophy lifts and stuff like that and a lot of the stuff you can sort of stage anyway you know yeah. when Arsene left we had the game the game against Burnley I was heavily involved in what we do with how we try and sort of stage manage that you know i it's my idea for him to walk out to the middle of the pitch on his own and wave. Right. Which logistically on the day was quite tricky, but holding people back, keeping TV off the pitch and stuff. But generally we've got good people here who, if you give them a good idea, they'll make sure they'll do their best to make it work. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the pressure, the pressure is pressure on myself. I don't get mass masses of pressure from, from the club. They, they're, they know I've got quite a lot of experience and they, you know, they'll, they'll just let me run with it, really. Yeah. How much kind of competition is there between you and, say, photographers from the press trying to get the same shot, trying to get in position for the best shot and stuff? Well, really, we, well, I should, you know, we shoot for the club and then that's it, primarily. Yeah. There's not really competition. We, we put our pictures through Getty Images, which go out on their feed to all their offices. So... It's not a massive priority. If I get a great picture during the game, for me is, can I get another great picture two minutes later? Not, I'm going to bury my head in my laptop for 10 minutes and miss a picture. You're there to photograph a game. Right. Newspaper guys and the agency guys are there for the moment. You know, The moment for them isn't a great picture of one of our players running down the wing with a ball bouncing up around his shoulders. For me, that that's a really good picture to have because they can get used across all our channels for our sponsors. <clears throat> a newspaper guy is not interested in that. So there isn't competition, but you, and I don't even look at the papers, you know, I don't really look at, I can't be bothered to be honest. Right. You know, if someone's got your picture in the paper, I'll, I'll look at it, but, and I'll think, oh, that's quite nice that it's in there, but not competition. I think I compete with myself. I just try and get better every game if I can. It's nice to get pictures used in someone else's newspaper, especially if they're sitting next to you, but I don't ever look at the papers anyway. Right. What would you say is like the greatest picture you've ever taken at Arsenal? It, it's it's really tricky because it's probably linked to moments. Hmm. So, you know, probably one of my best, most well-known pictures is, you know, it's probably lots, well, not even that, Sylvan Wiltord scoring the winning goal at Old Trafford. Mm-hmm. But it's not even in focus, you know, it's not even in focus. <laughs> <laughs> but there's, there's been, you know, there's, you know there's a lot there's a lot to to think about there's i haven't really got one because i tend not to look back too far only if something springs to mind right so right. i'll you know I'll, I'll i'll look back now and i'll say what's my favorite picture i've taken i'll say 
I did some stuff for Bukayo Saka wearing David Rocastle's shirt in just walking down the corridor at the training ground. That's my favourite one I've taken recently. Right. And then ho- hopefully after Thursday, it'll be another game from... But I'm not one of these people who has got a portfolio who says, you know, look at this, look at this. Yeah. It's just about... For me, it's moments and capturing the moments. Yeah. Always looking forward kind of thing as well. Yeah. Um, nice. Okay. Well, look, let's move on to your third and final shirt. So this is another Invincible shirt. I didn't know that gold one was Invincible as such. But no, that was the away Invincibles. Aha, uh-huh, the away Invincibles. So we didn't lose. So we didn't lose a game away in that in that in that 2002 season. We didn't lose a, we didn't lose a game in it. Nice. So this is, this is, yeah. So that's that's one another reason. Never lost a game in a shirt. So it's always good to have it in the top three. <laughs> so this one is the the home shirt then worn by the Invincibles in the Invincible season. So it's between 02 and 04 and the Invincible season was 0304, wasn't it? 304, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's just a it's just a great it's just a great shirt. It's just a classic plain red and white. I loved it. Always loved the 02 logo on the front. Yeah. And 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 the you know the what the white the white socks Thierry pulled them up over his knees. And we just looked so good in it. And it was didn't matter if it was bright sunshine or under the floodlights. This it, the red just stood out so much. Yeah. It's just it's just a classic. It's pro- so it's probably probably is the most famous Arsenal shirt about or the most seen, maybe. Yeah. Does it matter to you when a new shirt comes out? Do you actually think about how that will look in throughout, you know, like mentioned in the sunlight, how will that look throughout the season in the different kind of changeable weather etc does that bother you at all it does it does bother me because i think that some kit manufacturers don't will look at it in a room with a lot of bright lights and they don't look at it on a football perspective yeah now, we 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 had a nike dark blue shirt uh years ago and we wore it away at everton mm-hmm. and the floodlights at everton at the time were terrible we scored sort of eight or ten players celebrating in the corner of the pitch and you literally couldn't see anybody because right. it's a dark shirt and I think for the players as well that it must be tricky for them to see something that's really that dark yeah because a lot of a lot of modern a lot of stadiums now have got new LED floodlights and they do most stadiums are okay but if you go to a play an FA Cup game at a lower league ground and you're wearing a shirt that's really dark yeah it's impossible to photograph and also for the I think for the fans and for the players it's difficult to pick out your players yeah I'm not, I'm not saying you've got to wear a white shirt wherever you go but you, know, <laughs> you, can, you can't uh, that blue shirt that nike did it's a lovely shirt in the sunshine but the moment you stuck it you know you got i think it who scored is it soul i think soul campbell scored at everton or colo scored right literally it, 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 the whole corner of the pitch was uh it maybe it says more about everton's floodlighting at that time than it does, did yeah. about nike's choice of kit yeah, it's old school stadium, isn't it? Goodison Park. Yeah. Um, so it's very rare that people pick three shirts from the same club. So what I'm going to do is just ask you, which out of those is your favourite out of all of those? I'd say probably it'd have to be just for the, I think because red and white is our colour. Mm-hmm. I know I've chosen two, uh, two away kits only because I think red and white is, is what we are, is what, you know, are our colours have been for over 100 years. Yeah. And and it's that shirt that's probably got the fondest memories of 90% of Arsenal fans. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a nice choice, mate. Right, that's fantastic. Thank you so much. Just like three amazing shirt choices. Um, people can follow you on Instagram and Twitter. You post some amazing photos, right? Uh, yeah, some half decent ones. Yeah, they're not too bad. <laughs> I, enjoy them. I enjoy them for sure. Um, but yeah, thanks so much, Stuart. Thanks so much for your time. Pleasure. Thanks for asking me. So there you have it. Massive thanks to Stuart for sharing his football kit memories with me. You can follow me and my own collection on Instagram or get in touch via Twitter or email. Make sure you follow Stuart too. He's on Instagram and Twitter. He posts some absolutely incredible behind-the-scenes photos of Arsenal. The music you heard was produced by Evil Ed. Check out his music on his Bandcamp. There's links to everything I've mentioned in the notes section. And finally, thanks for listening. If you have enjoyed it, please do spread the word, give me a follow on social and subscribe to Football Kit Memories on your podcast player of choice. Other than that, I'll catch you next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.